People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM, and we have Paul Tuff on the line from America. Paul Tuff is the author of a number of books about education, parenting, teaching. He was recently in South Africa at the South African Jewish Board of Education Conference. He was the keynote speaker. He is the author of How Children Succeed and also Helping Children Succeed. Welcome to Chai FM, Paul. Thank you. It's great to be here. I always ask all my interviews the same, the same first question, and it gives me an opportunity to give them the job of going through their biographies. Can you introduce yourself in your own words and on your own terms? Uh, yes, great. That's a great opportunity. Um, so my name is Paul Tuff. I am a journalist and an author, uh, and I write mostly about education and children. Uh, so I've written three books. I'm working on a fourth right now. Uh, and the book that I think uh, that I've written that has got the most attention was, it came out a few years ago. It's called How Children Succeed, uh, Grit, Curiosity, and the Hidden Power of Character. Uh, and in that book, I talked about um, what characteristics and qualities we tend to focus on in children's development and in schools, and which characteristics are the ones that really matter the most. You've really told us in a nutshell what's in How Children Succeed. Part of your approach there was to advocate a stronger focus on promoting conscientiousness among young children rather than IQ-related studies in, in the subjects that they study when they are older. Can you elaborate on that theme a little bit more to flesh it out for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. So um, what when I started reporting this book, How Children Succeed, a few years ago, what drew me to the topic was this uh, emerging body of research in a number of different fields, uh, in psychology, in education, in neuroscience, uh, in economics, that was coming to the conclusion that uh, the way that we were judging success in education uh, was missing something. Uh, especially in the United States at that time, there was a great focus on uh, standardized tests that measured cognitive ability as the way to tell uh, how well students were doing. And I think that's something that a lot of us just sort of naturally think. We think that success is all about IQ, that the kids uh, who do best on those standardized tests are the ones who are going to do best in life. But what this emerging body of research was indicating was that, in fact, that is a very narrow way to look at success and, and often um, an incorrect one, uh, that actually there are, is this other set of skills uh, that include things like grit and perseverance, conscientiousness and self-control, optimism and curiosity, and that when children are able to develop these qualities in childhood, they are more likely to succeed. Uh, and so in How Children Succeed, I spent a lot of time looking at this research in all of these different fields and, and uh, spending time reporting on different individuals, educators, pediatricians, mentors who were working with young people and children and trying to help them succeed in this dimension. The, these qualities are sometimes called uh, non-cognitive abilities. That's what economists call them. But I think the rest of us, educators and the rest of us, often think of these as character strengths or just plain character. That book that you've just been summarizing really in a, in a, in a bite, sound bite, How Children Succeed, which you published in 2012, was followed four years later in 2016 with Helping Children Succeed. 
to whet our listeners' appetites and to get them interested in this book, especially the parents and the teachers listening. What type of strategies do you talk about in helping children succeed? So in many ways, helping children succeed was was a, a sort of a follow-up, a, a response to how children succeed. Um, and in How Children Succeed, I wrote about all of this, the first book, I wrote about all of this research and said, you know, there, there's a, a growing understanding that these, these non-cognitive or character qualities are very important. Um, but there wasn't much clear research saying, well, how do you teach these qualities? And so I, oh, I think a lot of educators, especially the parents as well, responded to this research by saying, okay, if our kids need grit and perseverance in order to succeed, we've got to start teaching grit and perseverance in our schools. And what the, re- the, the growing body of research was showing was that that sort of pedagogical approach to character uh, didn't necessarily work all that well, that character strengths are not like uh, academic you know, cognitive skills, like math or reading, uh, that you can, you can teach in sort of a direct pedagogical way. Instead, what the research that I wrote about in the second book, Helping Children Succeed, uh, indicated was that character strengths tend to develop from the environments that children are growing up in, both the environment at home and the environment uh, at school. And that when those environments sort of nurture a, a very narrow vision of success, uh, kids are less likely to develop these important character strengths. And that when students get messages from teachers and parents that make them feel like uh, they have a sense of belonging, they're connected to the people around them, that they have an ability to succeed and grow, uh, and that there's some purpose to the work that they're doing, those are the things that make a difference. So I think there are a lot of educators and parents, too, who want sort of a, a, a quick fix, a quick curriculum, um, you know, an app that can help develop these qualities in their children. But I think what the, what the research that I wrote about in Helping Children Succeed indicates is that um, it's hard work and it's a, it's a long process and it really is about the messages we send kids, the sort of psychological environment that they're growing up in. But there's a huge amount that teachers and parents can do uh, to change those messages and change those environments. You talk about creating grit. And when you were in South Africa at the Jewish Board of Education Conference, you spoke about stresses and challenges. Can you differentiate between stress and challenge? Give a few practical examples and how that develops grit or perseverance. Sure. So um, a a lot of my reporting uh, for How Children Succeed and Helping Children Succeed took place um, in affluent environments. Uh, There's one private school in New York City where I spent a lot of time. And um, what was interesting in those environments was that the the young people, the students, were often uh, very much stressed out. They had a ton of homework. They were working very hard. They weren't getting enough sleep. They were, you know, anxious and stressed. Um, but they weren't actually being challenged, uh, and I think this is a this is a very um, this is a difficult concept I think for a lot of parents to embrace the idea that kids, you know, at these private schools who are working tremendously hard are not actually being challenged in a deep way. But I think it's true, and I think we can really confuse stress for challenge. I think that's true in all of our lives as, as adults, but I think it's especially true in the lives of our kids. Uh, and the analogy that I talked about when I was in Johannesburg is that in some ways it's like the difference between exercising by running on a treadmill and exercising by climbing a mountain. 
you know, when you when you get on a treadmill, it is often exhausting. You're often completely burned out by the end of your your run. Uh, but you kind of know when you get up there and punch the numbers into your keypad that you're going to make it through your 20 or 30 minutes. But when you climb a mountain, uh, you might get the same you know cardiovascular workout, but there is some real challenge involved. There's some risk. And what's important is that you might not make it. You might actually fail. Uh, and, and I think that idea of giving young people real challenges, uh, whether it's an assignment in school or uh, just a challenge at home or in their daily life where they might actually fail, uh, is something that I think is very threatening to a lot of parents. It makes us nervous that if our kids fail, they might be you know, permanently uh, uh, psychologically damaged by the experience. But the reality is that it's in those moments of failure, especially if they get the right kind of uh, sort of support and encouragement from the adults in their lives. It's in those moments of failure where they really learn, where they really grow. Uh, and I think a lot of parents and a lot of teachers are trying to protect young people from exactly the kind of experiences that they need uh, to develop these character strengths. These character strengths that you're talking about, which come through challenges, is there a relationship between childhood challenges, maybe even adversity, and then adult happiness or adult success? There is, and uh, it's a complicated one. So um, I, I mentioned that I did a fair amount of research in um, affluent communities, but I also did a lot of my reporting in high-poverty communities. Uh, and in those communities, um, there is a very uh, adversity is playing a very different role. Um, one of the one of the studies that I write about is called the Adverse Childhood Experience Study. And this study looks at really traumatic events that can happen in children's lives, um, abuse, neglect, uh, losing a parent to illness or incarceration. Uh, and what this study has shown over the years is that when children uh, experience those sorts of intense traumas in childhood, it has a really profound negative effect on their development on their intellectual development, but also on their physical development. You're more, the, the kids who experience a lot of those traumas early on are more likely uh, to get cancer, to get uh, heart disease when they're older. So one of the big uh, relationships between childhood adversity and adult happiness is that lots of significant uh, traumatic childhood adversity uh, has a, a profound negative effect. But what complicates this question somewhat uh, is another study that I, that I talked about in Johannesburg, uh, done by a team of psychologists in the United States, where they looked at sort of less intense, less traumatic challenges that kids faced in life. And they, give, they gave this group of 2,000 adults um, a questionnaire where they had to check off sort of the, the kind of run-of-the-mill, you know, someone in your family loses a job, you survive a natural disaster, uh, parents get divorced, how many of those sorts of experiences you have in childhood. And what they found was that, yes, the people who had a ton of those adverse experiences were not doing well, but the people who hadn't had any, who hadn't checked off a single box on this adversity questionnaire, they weren't doing well either. And that the people who were doing best were the ones who had had sort of a moderate amount of adversity growing up. And I think this, this indicated something that a lot of us kind of instinctively believe, that there's something about mild adversity growing up that can really help us grow. It gives us an opportunity in childhood to understand failure, to practice failing. Um, and I think what matters most in terms of how we educate our kids is how we help them deal with those moments, uh, how we help them manage failure. And what is, the, that is, what is the most important advice that you will give children, whether they're 
young children or adolescents, they're also part of the triangle between parents, students, or child and school. They also have to bring something to the, the whole dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the message that kids need to hear uh, is mostly one about challenge and failure. Uh, and it's, as we've been talking about, it's a complicated message to deliver. But kids need to know that, that challenge is a good thing, that it's in the, the, the moments of real struggle in learning that they are learning the most, and that setbacks along the way, failures, wrong answers, uh, mistakes, that those are part of the process. And those are actually the moments where they're learning the most. Um, that if they have, you know, a, a, a sheet of math homework and there's one problem that is um, giving them the most trouble and stressing them out, that's a gift. <laughs> that is the, that's the moment where they're learning, trying to solve that problem. And all the other ones that, that feel good in the short term, those are not really their moments of learning. And I think that's really counterintuitive to a lot of kids, especially kids who get a lot of praise for right answers uh, and not a lot of praise for wrong answers. They think, well, every time I get a right answer, I'm, you know, this is, this is me succeeding as a student. But actually, I think what we need to tell them more and what I try to tell my own kids uh, is that it's in those moments of struggle, those moments of, of making mistakes that you're most likely to be learning and growing. Can I ask you, at the moment, you're obviously doing a lot of research for your new book and you're going through a lot of journals. You almost definitely have to be going to meet people, schools, universities. You have to, be, you have to see the, the success so that you can write about it. What, are you, what else do you read? Which other authors do you read to, to get deeper insights into, into the important work that you're doing? Um, we'd all like to take these ideas. We'd all like to take these ideas further. We'd all like to take your ideas further. So we, you know, we all want to read your books, and then for further, further, further reading along the same lines, who do you go to for inspiration? Well, there are two books that just came out uh, in the United States this year. Um, I saw one of them actually on a shelf when I was in in Johannesburg, so I know it's there, and I hope the other one is as well. That I that I feel like are um, very much related to to the work that I've done, but also take it in some new and fascinating directions. Uh, one book is by a pediatrician in San Francisco named Nadine Burke Harris. Um, this is the one that I, I did see on uh, in a bookstore in Johannesburg when I was there. It's called The Deepest Well. And Nadine is somebody who I've written about. Uh, I wrote about her in the New Yorker magazine, and then I wrote about her in How Children Succeed. Um, she's a, a fascinating pediatrician, and she's the one who first introduced me to this research about childhood trauma, um, that adverse childhood experience study that I uh, wrote about. She transformed her pediatric uh, clinic in San Francisco, which mostly serves a, a low-income um, population of children, um, she transformed her clinic by by understanding this research about how childhood trauma affects um, physical development uh, as well as mental and emotional and psychological development. And this book that she's written called The Deepest Well um, both gets into that research in a really uh, effective and clear way, but also draws on her her own experiences. Um, as a as a pediatrician and just as a person, um, understanding trauma and understanding its effects on our lives. So, um, the deepest well by by Nadine Burke Harris is one that I would definitely recommend. 
And then the other, again, well, I'm not positive it, it's uh, published there yet, but I hope it will be, is by um, uh, a man named Ned Johnson, and it's called The Self-Driven Child. Uh, just came out a little bit ago. Uh, and he is a, uh, I'm actually reporting on his work now, he's a tutor uh, for high school students in the United States, mostly affluent kids, um, trying to prepare them for the college admissions tests. Uh, and he is very focused on uh, the way that affluent parents can sometimes undermine their children's uh, development by trying to do everything for them, by being so obsessed with you know what college they're going to get into and what what grades they're going to get that they um, that they just protect them from challenges and protect them from real failures. And so uh, Ned is a practitioner, he's a tutor, he's a teacher. Uh, and he's able to draw on some of this research as well as draw on his own experience as uh, a tutor uh, to give parents some really useful advice on how to pull back and how to judge wh- when their kids need help and when their kids need them to just leave them alone and let them deal with challenges on their own. So that's Ned Johnson and the Self-Driven Child. I, I can tell you that that book will be released in South Africa in the second half of the year, and you share the same publisher, Penguin, oh, Penguin Random House. Oh, excellent. Great, great, great. Fantastic. Last question. What are you currently working on? Because there is, you did mention that there's a book in the pipeline. Yes. Um, so I am now working on a new book that's supposed to be published next year about uh, higher education, about colleges and universities. Um, and I've spent the last few years reporting it. I'm just in the writing stage now, so uh, I'm not not doing as much going out and doing interviews. I'm just sitting here trying to get everything on the page. Um, but this book is about how, uh, it, the way I'm describing it is that it's about higher education and social mobility, how the system of colleges and universities here and in other countries around the world uh, helps less advantaged students succeed or hinders them from that success. In the United States, we have a very unequal uh, system of higher education where um, kids who come from advantaged backgrounds are the ones who tend to uh, get into the best colleges and do uh, best there. And kids who come from less advantaged backgrounds, uh, there's not a good system in place for them. Uh, And so I'm exploring why that is and how that came to be and what we can do uh, as parents and educators and citizens to try to change that and make things better. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. Your insights are very profound. And even though you say them very quickly, it will take us, you know, anyone listening to you or reading your books, a lot more time to go over all your answers and let the, let the, let the knowledge sink in because we really do have to change the way that we teach and the way that we parent in order to equip our children for the life that they're going to experience when they leave our schools and they leave our houses. Thank you for your time. And uh, we hope you enjoyed your stay in South Africa. And we look forward to your new book being released next year sometime when uh, when you finish it and, it's, and, and it hits the shelves. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you so much. I, I enjoyed the conversation very much, and I did have uh, such a great time in Johannesburg. It is an amazing place. Uh, I learned a lot and was really struck by the conversations that I had there with teachers and with parents. Um, I think you're right. The, the same the same concerns that I, I found in my reporting in the United States are happening there as well. So it was a real um, it was a real treat to get to share those conversations and share those ideas. Uh, and I'm looking forward to my next visit.